Hello, my name's Ran. And I'm Joe. And this is the Flow Artist Podcast. Every episode, we speak with inspiring movers, thinkers, and teachers about how they find their flow. And much, much more. We would like to honour the elders of the wisdom traditions of yoga that originate in India. We'd also like to honour the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Yeah. Well, I hope you're doing well out there. It looks like restrictions are gradually being eased and we're very happy about it, right? Yep. <laughs> yep. We've, so we've got a great episode lined up for you today. It happens to be our three-year anniversary episode. So last episode, I might have accidentally said that Divya Kohli was going to be the next one, this one, but I was wrong. So there you go. Here we are. <laughs> Before we continue, I'd just like to let you know that this episode was brought to you by our sponsor, Yoga Australia, registering teachers and training courses to ensure that everyone in Australia has access to quality yoga teachers. So it is a very special episode for us. It's three years since we started the podcast and it will be five years since my stomach was removed when this episode comes out. That's a pretty special occasion for me, pretty monumentous. Also on the day we're recording this, it's my dad's birthday. So happy birthday, dad. But honestly, he's never going to listen to this. (laughs) (laughs) Happy birthday, Gary. (laughs) So as we've done in the past for our one and two year anniversary episode, we're going to have a bunch of guests asking us the questions. So we get to answer the questions, right? Yeah. Pretty exciting. All right. Are we ready to go? I'm ready. All right. Well, first, I'm going to play a question from Jivana Heyman. Hi, Ron and Joe. Thank you so much for reaching out to me and happy anniversary. I'm, I'm so happy to celebrate these three years with you and all the incredible work you've done to educate us and inform us about what's happening in yoga. I, I love your work and I'm so grateful for you. And I hope you'll have another three years of exciting conversations like you've been having, unless you're tired of it. But <laughs> I hope you're not. Anyway, I, I'm so grateful that you asked me to ask a question of you. So I'll ask you a question that's been on my mind. And, and maybe you can give me some insight. Actually, this is something I'm writing about a lot as I'm preparing for my new book. And I'm, I'm really looking for some help. <laughs> So the question is, you know, the world is going through a very difficult time right now with COVID and so many other factors. It feels like actually yoga in particular seems like it's really going through a transformational moment in the West in terms of the way it's being presented and taught because yoga studios are closing and a lot of yoga teachers are out of work. But my question is, Do you think that there's a way we can rebuild yoga, the yoga community, I should say, moving forward with an emphasis on more ethical practices and a focus on social justice, equity, and accessibility? Does that make sense? So I guess my question is really hoping you can use your psychic powers uh, (laughs) and help me understand how we can use this transformational moment to do a better job for all of us to really lift up the yoga community and build something that's based on 
the ethics of yoga, which really form the foundation of the yoga teachings, in my opinion. Anyway, I really look forward to hearing your answer to that question. I'm looking forward to learning from you. Thanks again. Thanks for having me. And I hope to talk to you soon. Okay, bye. All right. Well, it's a big question from Jivana. And I have thoughts. And unfortunately for listeners elsewhere, this is... I've only researched this in Victoria and even more so in our local area of Darabin. It's this kind of unique time for yoga teachers and yoga studios because in some ways it's a terrible time for business, but there's never been more grants and more funding available or maybe I've never noticed it and now I'm really looking into it and putting together some resources to help people apply for grants if you haven't done that before and I feel like if there's been a project that's about working with a marginalized community or taking yoga beyond the studio setting and actually out into the community where people who might not be comfortable in a studio or might not have the financial means to be able to access these practices like now's the time to make that happen like there's community grants available, there's business resilience grants available. So I feel like there's something in your heart that you haven't been able to act on because you've been too busy or because it's not the kind of project that would make money. This is the time to like take advantages of these grants and to like begin that project and hopefully we can work in a way that's going to be sustainable for the teacher and accessible for the community. Nice. Though I do feel like that might be limited to our experience here. It might be a bit more difficult over in the States, for example. But yeah, I, I personally don't have any real answers, though I do know that we recently did Jivana's Accessible Yoga training, and that was a pretty amazing experience, I thought. And it was just wonderful seeing people from all over the world of different backgrounds and abilities. And it was actually, it was really wonderful. It was a wonderful thing to see. And I know one thing that struck out for, for me was there was a, a woman from India in one of the groups that we were in who mentioned that she'd sustained this injury and she was trying to, I guess, work through it or work with it and there was nowhere in her country of India where yoga originated that she could find a yoga for her and I feel like Jivan has actually brought a real gift to the world that has has enabled that woman to find a, a yoga that she can practice safely and help other people and so I think that Really, there is this worldwide movement of yoga being more accessible and more ethical, I would hope. And I guess there are many struggles going on in the yoga world. We're seeing certain people tout beliefs that might be harmful to others. And I guess that's out in the open now. I don't know where I'm going with this, but yeah, I I personally think that it's going in a good direction. Yeah, and I guess it's just that life long question of this practice like how can I live my life in an ethical compassionate way that's gonna be a net positive (laughs) for Mm. the planet Mm. and then if that flows in to our work and into our communities it's not something that has a 
easy answer, but it's more like that day-to-day process of how can I do my best with this? Mm. And and I guess I would hope that this experience we're all going through now is a, a bit of a reset and good things can happen from here. So I think that's all I've got to say. What about you, Joe? Yep. That is also all I have to say. Can I lead into another question which was sent to us in written form mm-hmm. by Donna Noble? And Donna's question was, how can we as yoga teachers be good allies, especially in the context of Black Lives Matter? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, I guess what we've always tried to do is to put colours put colors put put voices of people from all different backgrounds at the front we've tried to feature guests that are people of color diverse backgrounds are other than that as well yeah so i guess that would be my answer to put voices of people from marginalized communities up front yeah i have thoughts and when i was thinking about how to answer this question i was like okay don't cut ran off let ran speak first <laughs> That'll be a first. (laughs) (laughs) And so I have a really easy one. Buy their stuff. A really easy way to support someone from a marginalised community is to support their business. Mm -hmm. And that's, I feel like it's an exchange. Giving money to a cause is amazing, but supporting someone in a day-by-day ongoing fashion is probably going to make a more meaningful difference in that individual person's life. I don't know. It depends how big your donation is. But it's a connection to someone rather than I'm going to give you money because I feel bad about this problem kind of situation. And it's an easy, practical thing to do. So what I've been trying to do is anytime I need to buy something new, like say a mask, I'll just Google Aboriginal owned and see if I can buy that from an Aboriginal-owned person, (laughs) an Aboriginal person or company. And it is a little bit of a murky one because sometimes there are Aboriginal artists selling their own stuff. There are social enterprise organisations who are working with local communities. And then there are other businesses that maybe look from the outside like they are working with individuals and communities, but they aren't. So I just like... Do a little bit of looking on websites. You can usually see which companies have a real connection to communities or are from that community and which ones might just be using that art, maybe with or without permission. Another thing I'd like to raise is being a good ally is not about you. So if, say, a global issue comes up and you feel drawn to make a comment in your social media, I would recommend looking first to a person from the community that's directly affected and see what they're saying and maybe amplify that voice rather than making it about how it's personally making you feel sad, which is like you can share what's in your heart, but I think it might be more useful for the cause if you are sharing the voices of someone who is directly affected and sharing a call to action as well, whether it's a number to call or somewhere to donate money or some way you can support and to actually do that, to not just share about it, to to make the call yourself or make the donation. So I think if you are sharing about a cause and about an issue, it has to be about the cause and about the issue 
rather than you feeling bad if it doesn't actually directly affect you. Yeah. And yeah, I'd like to add, I I have sort of seen some groups online where, yeah, the conversation does, does, does seem to be more about how people are feeling about their, their own, I guess, part to play rather than, or their, their own feelings about their part to play rather than what they're actually doing. Yeah. And I don't want to like say that you can't share your feelings online in your own feed because you absolutely can, but sometimes... It's got to be more than words, I guess. Yeah. Good point, Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's get on to our next question now, now that we've lectured everyone. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now we've solved racism. <laughs> So this next question is from Taryn Suriana, I believe. I hope I've pronounced I'm that right. I'm not good at saying names. <laughs> um, She'll who, tell us though. Yeah, who's out in the Kimberley region, so quite a way away. And I'll play her question now. Hi, Ran and Joe. It's Taryn Suriani from Yoga Desire here. And I'm currently recording from Nikonamangala and Warrawa country in Derby, remote far northern Western Australia, where I feel very privileged and honoured to be able to live, although soon to be relocating, learn and share the tools of yoga and meditation with a small but wonderfully diverse community. So you both know that I love, love, love your podcast. And in fact, the reason that I became a Patreon member was because I am so remote, which is also a blessing, I might add, and I'm not able to attend trainings in person very often. Instead, my only option is online stuff. I really felt that your podcast was providing me with another avenue to stay current with the yoga and wellbeing world and provide a good learning and personal development materials via audio. So I felt in my heart that it was time I started paying for all that I was receiving from you both. Which brings me to my question. I'm just wondering if you guys have any ideas about how we can better foster connection and support yoga teachers in remote Australia. That doesn't involve screen time. (laughs) I look forward to hearing your response and continuing to listen. All right, bye. Do you have thoughts? Well, first I'd just like to say thank you, Taryn. Thanks for your wonderful comments and thank you for your Patreon support. We really, really appreciate it i guess for us personally it is difficult to to reach people without that online component and all i can i guess suggest is trying to and and i know you probably have a good handle on who who is in your local community but just seeing if you can meet up and in person and have have good discussions about yoga practice together yeah any thoughts joe Yeah, so this is like a fantasy suggestion. (laughs) Wouldn't it be amazing if a group of teachers who were in remote areas but kind of maybe in the same state could get together and maybe like rent a beautiful property and like everyone would pay for the food and the property rental but everyone would contribute a practice to the weekend and then you'd also have that hangout time together and that time of like sangha and community connection that's not just practicing together it's the talking it's the chilling it's the hanging out it's having this like beautiful space where you can just be 
this relies on someone being an organizer, <laughs> which is not a fun job, but would totally be worth it. And I just thought that would be amazing. It's actually something that we get the pleasure of doing here in Victoria with a beautiful group of teachers. It's kind of a retreat weekend. And maybe if the weekend isn't achievable, if it's too much logistics a day, where it would only take three or four teachers to each contribute a practice session that everyone could do and then you could have a lunch and you could have a discussion and I do really feel you on the in-person connection. It's so different to online and hopefully this might spark some ideas or plant some seeds and I'll open up our Facebook page if there are teachers who would like to connect like that. Maybe you could share there and maybe you could connect with each other that way and we could get something like this happening. I don't know when it's going to be a possibility, <laughs> but <laughs> you want to invite me out on a regional tour mm. like, and run and not just yeah, me. Yeah, it sounds great. Yeah. I'd like to go and, and chill. Uh-huh. <laughs> sounds great, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my fantasy suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. All right. Well, next we have a question from Amy Wheeler. So I'll just go ahead. play that. Hi, Ron and Joe. It's Amy Wheeler from Optimal State. And you had asked me to send in a question. First of all, I want to know what is your cat's name? And what's your cat's favorite playtime activity? Question number two, what made you want to start this podcast? Question number three, What's the hardest thing about putting out this podcast? And question number four, what's your favorite thing about doing this podcast? All right. Should I start with the important stuff? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So there's a bit of a story behind Nagano, our cat's name. (laughs) Me and Ryan got pretty obsessed with Susuka, which is the Japanese Ninja Warrior game show and watched it quite a lot and We had a favourite ninja warrior, Makoto Nagano, and he was a ship's captain and he like trained working out on his ship and I enjoyed watching that. And he was just a really beautiful person, like he was really inspiring. And the way that the Japanese ninja warrior game was different to the Australian-American one, they're not competing against each other. It's like everyone is competing against this crazy course. And so when he finally like climbed the final obstacle and conquered the course it was like he did it for everyone and he just carried everyone's dreams with him and he looked out over the view and just kind of said it's like such a beautiful view from up here and me and Ran might have got, got a little emotional. bit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we looked to each other and we were like, do you think we should call our cat Nagano? <laughs> I think we'd maybe, like Nagano is a rescue kitty, mm. so he might have like still been too little to go to a home. He might have just been, you know, <laughs> being taken care of with the other rescue kitties before they were ready to go out. <laughs> yep. And so what's his favourite game? Oh, he likes dangly things on sticks. Mm. So he's got a, he's got so a he's lizard. Very cat-like in that regard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's got like a little lizard. That's his favourite. He likes to chew on that. Mm. He's also got his own yoga block that he really likes to chew on, which mm-hmm. is like very tooth marked. Mm. Also harassing me during Zoom meetings. Oh, yeah. Oh, Zoom makes him go crazy. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. He... he w- I've had to put him out of the room during a couple of meetings because he'll jump up onto the table, which first he's not allowed to do. Yeah, no cats on the table. <laughs> and then he'll 
start trying to attack me out of nowhere. It's, it's pretty crazy, but only when we're having meetings on Zoom. And like, he won't even be in the room when the meeting starts. He'll come in from outside to make trouble. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, and I guess last Nagano story, my sister just uh, knitted him this beautiful little cat blanket. It's a red blanket and there's a little sort of monogrammed N on it. <laughs> uh, and it's really nice. And I put it in his favorite spot, hoping that he'd sort of use it. And he's just taken to it. Oh, he loves it. He works that cat blanket. He does. He does. He sleeps on it all kinds of ways. Mm -hmm. All right. So I believe there were non-cat related questions. (laughs) So what inspired us to start the podcast? Ah, well, I guess I I was always wanting to do a podcast at, at one point in time and... I was never really sure what to base it on, but then I did my yoga teacher training and noticed, well, we, I guess you noticed that I just... Yeah, I noticed while I was trying to read. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I tend to pepper Jo with questions because she was obviously a much more experienced yoga teacher than I, and just pepper her with questions when she wanted to do something else, (laughs) non-work-related. And then after I finished my yoga teacher training, I suddenly realized I had a bit more time. So I tend to just try and fill up my time for some reason. Uh, So we decided to start the podcast and yeah, been going ever since. Here we are. So Ryan, what's the hardest thing about doing the podcast? (laughs) Ha ha. Well, probably what was the hardest thing was actually editing but we've kind of outsourced that we we have a little bit of patreon money coming in every month and that now goes towards editing the podcast we have a lovely editor named shay and she does a great job i believe so and shout out to cora Giroux for uh sharing her beautiful producer with us (laughs) absolutely absolutely so yeah so it got a lot easier but There still is a bit of work involved and we'll actually get to that a little bit later in a question we have from Cora. Yeah, I think the hardest part is actually finding the time to do this Mm. and to do the work that we need to do for our yoga business and our new project and to, you know, have things like days off and all Mm, of that. mm. Is now a good time to talk about our new project? Yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, yeah. So it's a project called Thrive Northside. It was... I guess partially financed with a grant from Darabin Council and basically it's a website and we've got social media and the idea is to help support local businesses. So we're putting up articles, tips and guides that can help people with various things from social media to sustainability and we've also got stories of local business, local businesses in the area. We featured ourselves as one and another business named One Less Bottle. And they're a really great sort of sustainability based business. And yeah, we launched it last week and we're really happy about it because a lot of work went into it. So, yeah, have you got anything to add? Yeah, yeah. We're also working in collaboration with Kelly Stubbs, who designed our Mm. studio website and is just a creative powerhouse Mm. and makes everything look really beautiful. And I just wanted to share as well, like when we've been in lockdown and feeling kind of isolated, doing this project has connected me to our local community in this whole new way. Like I'm learning about all these cool things that people are doing and 
there's a lot of good vibes, mm. kind of like people are really supporting each other and really getting excited about each other's projects. And some mm. of them aren't commercial. Some of them are creative. Another business that I'm really excited about sharing, which is coming out probably the same week, this podcast, it's called Mycelium Made. And this person is working with a mycelium culture and like cigarette butts and rubbish to create garments. Like wow. the mycelium is converting these waste products into something that we can actually use for wow. art and for clothing. So it's like this is happening in Northcote. Yeah. Who knew? Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's one thing that impressed me is that the, just the diversity of, of businesses in the area. So, no, it's been a really fun project. Yeah, it's been great. And that was also where I mentioned the grant stuff because – Grant writing was actually the reason why I didn't pursue a career in fine arts because it just ground me down. So I've spoken with a community development and business strategist, Donna Gross, just like answering questions that people might have about writing grants and also sharing some free resources that businesses can access if they're struggling because there is actually a lot of support out there, but it can be a bit of looking and if you are feeling under a lot of pressure, it, it's like one more obstacle to climb, whereas hopefully if that information's a bit more at people's fingertips, they can just dive right in and like access the help that they need. Nice. Beautiful. So what's the most fun part of doing the podcast for you, Ryan? Oh, the fun part. Oh, I guess the fun part is actually sort of getting responses from people and from connecting with people and sort of making friends with heaps of the guests. Yeah, like we've we've sort of made relationships with some some amazing people on the podcast, including Jivana and Jaisal and, yeah, others. And I feel like everyone we've talked to yeah. kind of have this real, like you speak to someone for an hour about something they're really passionate about and you get to ask really in-depth questions. So it's like you have this special bond with everyone that you've spoken to. It's really awesome. Absolutely. And I'm always the person in like a workshop or a training that has like the most questions and I have to <laughs> hold back on the questions so it's not just me talking the whole time. <laughs> and this is my forum where I can ask all the questions. So I love that aspect of it. Beautiful. All right. Shall we get on to the next question, which is with Alice Williams. Hi, Joe and Ron. It's Alice Williams, author of Bad Yogi. Congratulations on three years. I'm so excited that we get to ask the questions now. I've got two. My first one is after about three years with so many other podcasts out there, how do you maintain enthusiasm and momentum? And also, how do you choose your guests? My second question is, have you ever had an interview that's gone into unexpected territory, good or bad? or have you ever wanted to ask a guest a really cheeky question but been too embarrassed? All right. So first part of that was how do we stay motivated? Mm -hmm. And I think it comes back to what we were talking about before, how awesome it is to connect with these amazing people and to learn about them and to like share their passion. But I've got to be real and say that we are not always overflowing with motivation. <laughs> like it can be hard sometimes. Mm. And I just wanted to be real about that. Like sometimes it is challenging to like squeeze in a podcast interview <laughs> early in the morning when we want to sleep or mm. share an episode when they've got a whole lot of things on the to-do list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think actually part of 
how we've managed to keep doing it for three years for me is that I tend to get a little bit obsessive about things. So like once I've decided that I'm going to do something, that's pretty much it. And I'm going to try and do it that way, which which probably is a nice segue into the next question we have from Jaisal Parikh. Wait, wait, wait. Ooh, ooh, you ooh. haven't got to the juicy bit of Alice's oh, question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, stay tuned, folks. Yeah, so, yeah, there was an interview that kind of went in an unexpected direction pretty recently and it involved onions, garlic, and washing your crotch. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to be bitchy, and not be respectful for our guests who have taken time to share with us and to be on our podcast. So I'm just going to like speak about myself and the questions that kind of have come up for me when a conversation is going in this really unexpected direction and the person is just continuing to talk. So to raise a question would mean interrupting the person who's speaking, which feels rude, but just sitting by as they are saying something that you're not sharing kind of sends the message that like, yeah, we're all on the same page about this Mm. where we might not be. So that was a lesson for me as an interviewer of like, okay, if I feel like I need to say something, how can I slide in Mm. and express what's on my mind without talking over someone, without being rude and being respectful for the person who has put themselves out there by being on our podcast and sharing with us. Because I have listened to other podcasts where the interviewer interrupts people to say their stuff and I don't like listening to that. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. And I actually feel like you handled that particular instance pretty well. We're not going to bring it up, but if you've listened to a few of our podcasts recently, you probably have a good idea who it was and yeah I feel like there are a few other problems with that conversation I don't know where to go from there yeah I think it's like we're not journalists no and we're we're not really a hard-hitting no no we're not really that confrontational like so I think it's definitely a lesson as to or a decision as to kind of okay, if I'm not sharing this view, do I express that? Is my next question about that? And maybe being a little bit more proactive rather than (laughs) feeling like some stuff was left bottled up at the end Mm. of the interview and then even having questions as to whether we want to share a conversation if we haven't shared honestly within the conversation. Yeah, nicely said. Well, thanks, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> and there was another part to the question, I believe. Oh, was there any cheeky questions that we held back on? Mm. I don't think so. I feel no. like I tend to – or sometimes well, they just slip out before yeah. I can shut my mouth. <laughs> or, or sometimes I'll think of a cheeky question or just a question in general, but you'll find the conversation sort of moved on a bit and it's, it's usually a bit late because I'm – fairly slow so (laughs) there you go all right so speaking of getting on to the next question (laughs) we'll play this question from Jaisal Parikh from the Yoga is Dead podcast and many other awesome initiatives hi Joe hi Ran congratulations on the third anniversary of your podcast what a huge achievement 
Before I started my podcast, the Yoga Zed podcast with my co-host, Sajal Patel, I was a yoga teacher and I primarily taught private students and I rarely had to interact with my colleagues. But when I started the podcast, I now found myself in a business partnership and I've learned a lot. I've learned that business partnerships can at times be really easy, at times really challenging, and I've learned that they take a lot of work to make sure that the partnership is continuing to work for both people involved. You two obviously co-host the podcast in addition to being business partners for your studio, Garden of Yoga, and your life partners. So my question to you is what are your tips on maintaining a good relationship in your work? So specifically for the podcast, but also for your business. And we also got a very similar question from Nicole B. So I shall play that now. Hi, Joe and Ron. It's Nicole from Go Slow Yoga. Congratulations on three years of the Flow Artist podcast. Such an amazing achievement. And I love listening to every episode. My question for you both, given our latest lockdown and living and working from home experience here in Melbourne, is how do you both negotiate and manage your living and working and creating from home together all the time? What works and what are the challenges? Thanks very much and congratulations. Oh, thank you for those lovely messages, Jason and Nicole. So should I start? Sure. I feel like with the garden of yoga business stuff we just naturally have quite clearly defined roles because we have different skills so I don't feel like it's been too much of a challenge to negotiate who does what and what happens because Ryan basically does all of the online and tech stuff and I do a bit more of the teaching and a bit more of the customer service and kind of talking to people stuff and that's kind of evolved pretty organically like it was my business for like 15 years and then it was really only when we renovated our studio and moved to the bigger space that Ryan started teaching classes and that's when we also got a much more elaborate website and booking system and now online video and things so I feel like I kind of do the stuff that I've always done Mm -hmm. and then we've just up leveled in terms of how technical our business is and that's all Ryan. Oh thanks Joe. Yeah, I mean, I guess generally things go pretty smoothly. We're pretty relaxed with each other, but I guess often I have to sort of step back and realize that I don't always know what I'm doing (laughs) and be a little bit more relaxed about things, which I'm trying to do, (laughs) which might be a weird thing for a a yoga teacher to say. But no, I I think generally... Generally, we do pretty well when we come to a consensus pretty easily, wouldn't wouldn't you say? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we both have this like thing. It happens like several times a week where like we work in separate rooms. Ron's Mm. got his Ron room with his computer up the front and I kind of work on our dining room table. And I don't know, it's like the other person can just sense when you're right in the middle of something. (laughs) And that's when they like pop up with a question and we both do it and we're both annoyed about it. (laughs) So we're just kind of like, oh, yep, that's one of those moments. Yeah, yeah, it's a skill. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like lockdown as well has just been this realisation that We're just like too good at giving ourselves projects. Mm. We both love being lazy, but we just come up with all these projects. It's like, how are we working six or seven days a week when our studio is closed? Mm. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's like, okay, that's on us. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, we do. I think it, 
sometimes we do re- need to realize to give ourselves a bit of a rest but i think also like i don't know if this is something i should be talking about on the podcast but i have been speaking with a psychologist for a while and that's been really good i think yeah i don't know what you think i love it because like the psychologist always reiterates the stuff i've been saying for years <laughs> yeah basically I, the, there's, there are things I don't need to worry about as much as I <laughs> <laughs> And I, I've been really motivated about getting out of the house and going for a walk every day mm. if I can. And I've been doing walks with friends. <laughs> so I've like got a few friends living locally. So we go for exercise walks together and that's been really helpful. And sometimes I just talk to a friend on a phone while I go for a walk or I just listen to a podcast while I go for a walk. Or we like go for a walk and talk and we talk like me and Ran. We kind of talk about different things when we're on a walk to the mm. things that we talk about in the house. Mm. Yeah, often about walking. <laughs> yeah, we have walk talks. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Shall we go on to the next question? Oh yeah, I just oh. add one more thing which yeah. people maybe don't need to hear, but we've kind of got a ridiculous amount of silly in jokes as well. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah. they're not think, very mature. <laughs> no, I think humour is a big component of our, <laughs> our relationship. And it also helps that Ryan's really into video games. It's where I get my me time. Yes, yes. And my me time. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> All right. Let's get on to... Oh, and you have your crafting. I have my crafting as well. Yes, yeah. Yep. And, and my competitive craft shows. Yes. <laughs> Nice. All right. Now on to our question from Cora Giroux. Mm-hmm. Giroux. Giroux. I apologize. Let's play that now. Hey, Ron and Joe. It is Cora here from the Teaching Yoga podcast. And my question for you both as a fellow podcaster is what is the number one thing that you wish your listeners knew about creating a podcast? I know what my answers would be, but I'm super keen to hear what you think about this, especially because you have been podcasting for a little bit longer than I have. I can't wait to hear your answer to this question and a massive congratulations on your three-year anniversary. I can't wait to listen to the show. The number one thing that I would love our listeners to know is that we want to hear from them. Hmm. It's kind of this weird thing where we have like a really heartfelt conversation with someone and then we just like send it out into the cyberspace universe and it means so much when people continue that conversation and give us feedback or ask questions or share how that episode has raised questions for them. It really feels like it gives that episode life beyond us sending it out there because it's like the internet's a big place and your little thing that you've made and you've put your heart into is just this tiny little drop in that (laughs) ocean. So to like know that people are responding to it and it's enriching people's lives is so rewarding and like gives us life for this project. Yeah, yeah. I guess the other thing I'd say is we touched on this before, I think people might not realize the amount of work that goes into creating a podcast. And even though I'm I'm not editing, there's still a lot of time going into sort of perhaps organizing a time with a person. And if they're based overseas, it can be sort of a a bit of work to find an appropriate time that works for everyone. Sometimes it's like four or five emails going back and forth. Yeah, yeah. And I guess then you've 
got questions to come up with and then there's the actual conversation itself and you've got to make sure everyone's online and connected and and able to do it and and then when you actually put it out there's the sort of letting people know that there's a podcast out there and hoping that the person who is your guest will share it also because in podcasting I guess honest in all honestly it's it's part of the publicity of a podcast comes from the the guest who's sharing it yeah and it it's actually like it gives me a lot of insecurities and kind of makes me feel a little bit like hurt or unsure if like we're like, oh, I thought that that was a really great conversation and they haven't shared it on their social media. Mm. It's like I thought that date went really well and they never called me back. Like, <laughs> like were they, was that okay for them? Was there mm. something that went wrong that I don't know about? Like why haven't they shared it? Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, there's, I there's guess a there's glimpse a... inside my insecurities. <laughs> Mine too, but, yeah, no. All right. Shall we go on to the next question now that we've purged all those emotions? Yeah. <laughs> so mine are both about validation, it seems. Yeah. All right. So our next question is from a friend of the podcast, Gina McCauley. Let's, let's play that now. Hi, Joe and Ran. Gina here from Yogahara in Bendigo. Firstly, thanks for the great work you're doing in bringing such a diverse range of yoga voices to the community. I think it's very important. My simple question is, what have you noticed during COVID in relation to podcasting? One of the things I've noticed is I'm not listening to as many podcasts as I used to because I'm not commuting anywhere. I'm wondering what you've noticed from your point of view. Thanks again. Keep up the great work. I've noticed there are a lot more yoga podcasts being made and released. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that too. That Yeah, there seems to be plenty of them, which is great. But I guess it just, one thing I worry about is if we have a guest that they're going to appear on a whole lot of other podcasts because in my mind, it, it feels like there might be less reason for them to listen to us, but that's that's fine. I guess also, I, I myself don't listen to podcasts as much as I used to. I I don't really commute anywhere, so there's no time there, though. I try and have a workout and I'll listen to something then. But yeah, I imagine people are listening to less podcasts or their listening patterns might be a little bit different. But yeah, it could be different from for everyone else. Yeah, I feel like podcasts are almost like what blogs were a few years ago in the yoga scene. Mm. And something that I wanted to share for people who are thinking of starting a podcast is absolutely it's intellectually and emotionally rewarding to speak to these amazing people but in terms of boosting the rest of your yoga business you will actually use the network that you already have to promote your podcast rather than the podcast bringing people to you who might not have discovered you most of the time. So I think if people are going into this feeling like a podcast is going to be a real business boost, I don't necessarily think that will happen very quickly. I think that if you are going into it because it's something that you're really excited about and you want a project and you want to like grow as a teacher, then those benefits happen right away. But yeah, I'm not sure if people just have more time and they've always wanted to make a podcast or other aspects of their business might have 
just not been happening because studios are closed. So they're looking to a podcast to try and bring more people to their classes. Not sure where I'm going with this, but yeah, I actually think at the moment more people are making podcasts and less people are listening to podcasts. Mm, Yeah, that's the impression I get. All right. So we have one more question and that is from Gabrielle Boswell, who is, I believe, the Vice President of Yoga Australia. So let's hear from Gabrielle. Hi, Ran and Joe. It's Gabrielle Boswell from Buddy Mind Yoga. Uh, yoga teacher and yoga therapist. So I'm really curious to know about your early influences that drew you towards yoga. Perhaps that's a particular person, a, a teacher, a circumstance. And also in terms of that, were you drawn to practice yoga or were you drawn to teach yoga? I'm wondering which came first. I can start because I was lucky enough to have a really creative and very unique teacher who actually taught me Japanese and Chinese inkbrush painting, sumi painting, Richard Lidicott at Mangala. And he was an artist and a yoga teacher. And I wasn't as into yoga when I was a kid. I did art instead. And so I did his classes, I think, for about 10 years or maybe even more. And as he taught us calligraphy, he also kind of taught us meditation and he brought in the physical practices sometimes in really subtle ways. And I think that planted some seeds when I was at art school and being a tortured (laughs) artist and struggling a bit and feeling like maybe the joy was being taken out of the creative process. Now there's a lot of pressure on it. That's when I went back to yoga classes and I think the creative seeds that Richard planted and about how yoga is not just something that you do for an hour on your mat it's actually a practice that you can draw from in all of these other activities that you do is probably something that's really stayed with me as an example of an amazing powerful teacher nice i guess for me i mean my initial experience of yoga was way back like around the year 2000 it was this Ashtanga class in a local community center just around the corner from where I lived and I remember my first class it was sort of a packed room and it was pretty hard and I I think I even collapsed in a heap towards the end of the class but I sort of remember feeling really good afterwards so I, I kept on going back and then that teacher stopped teaching around the corner from my house. Um, his name is Bill. I can't. I, I've tried looking him up. I don't. I have no idea where he is or what he's doing now. But so I stopped practicing yoga for a while, and then it was only after I met you, Joe, like many years later, probably about ten years later, and then obviously I had a bit more of a yoga practice with you though I wasn't that consistent then but then it was really after I had my whole stomach cancer episode and sort of yoga and and meditation pretty much helped get me through that whole thing I've told this story many times before but yeah so I guess having Joe as an amazing teacher for me sort of really helped there and that was sort of what made me decide I wanted to teach yoga as well so from there I did a yoga teacher training and yeah but I guess it was the the practice that I really love so yeah oh thanks Ron I'm honored oh thank you (laughs) you're welcome (laughs) nice so I 
think that is all of the questions. It is. It is.、Mm, so I guess coming up next week or、yeah. next episode, we have Divya's episode, which Divya Colley. Yeah, we thought it was going to be this time around, and then we looked at our calendar. And we're like, oh, it's time for the anniversary episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she wrote a book. What's the book called? Sorry, Joe. Let me practices for challenging times. Oh yes, yeah, very timely. <laughs> yeah, and it is actually a really great book. Finding peace in difficult times, grounding techniques for inner calm. It's a great book with lots of really simple and powerful techniques that will help to downregulate the nervous system and to navigate these challenging times. I've been teaching quite a few corporate Zoom classes and. I feel like they're perfect for people who need the benefits of meditation, but are maybe not super familiar with it, and just need simple, accessible practices. And what I feel like Divya did a really amazing job of is distilling all of the richness of the philosophy of yoga into these simple practices, without making them too complicated. But also without dumbing this practice down, just making it really accessible for people so that they can access the benefits of these practices. Beautiful. All right. Yep. Look out for that episode in a fortnight. And before then, I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening, and thank you for sticking with us for three years. If if indeed you stuck with us for three <laughs> years, or whether you're a new a listener. I, And before we go, I'd just like to say our theme song is "Baby Robots" by Go Soul, used with permission. You can get his music from gosoul.bandcamp.com. Thank you so so much for listening. We really appreciate you spending your precious time with us. Aroha nui. Big big love. <laughs>